for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, uh, Senior Vice President and CMO for Pop Health. And I'm here with Ruchi Tuari, who is our um, clinical pharmacy lead uh, on the team. Uh, what is actually your official title? It's Director of Pharmacy. Okay. And I, I just it's kind simpler of than I try to make it seem. Uh, abbreviate it to Director of Pharmacy for Pop Health, <laughs> so people know what that means. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so Ruchi is... Uh, an, an amazing leader. She's taken on this role in Pop Health and trying to build a program where we didn't have one, uh, really a, across the ambulatory space, yep. and and um, really trying to align pharmacy with Pop Health, which is which is awesome. Um, so, Ruchi, tell us a little bit about um, your work before Sinai and what what brought you here. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I've actually always been in like the inpatient pharmacy space. Um, went to pharmacy school in North Carolina. So we share a bit of that uh, background with North Carolina training. And after that, I did like a a master's out in Ohio State and my residency, pharmacists do residencies as well. Um, Mine was focused on pediatric institution, which was um, a really great foundation actually. Um, And also completed my training and administration. So that was kind of where out in Ohio, I got sort of uh, excited about just management and leadership in general right. and like helping drive like the profession of pharmacy where I could yeah. and in my pocket. So um, also I was excited about moving out to North Carolina or New York. <laughs> <laughs> so in my 20s, I, I moved out here um, and was over at New York Presbyterian uh, as their clinical um, corporate manager across all of their our hospital inpatient facilities for clinical informatics, patient safety, decision support mm-hmm. stuff, um, just driving formulary efficiencies quickly, effectively across all of our sites, which um, is really challenging when it's the traditional way. So that was right. that was kind of my focus there. Um, after that, I, I got excited about change management and went on to join Deloitte um, Consulting uh, as in the provider improvement practice, which is a lot of what we're trying to do now, which right. is clinical program redesign, um, looking at you know how do organizations manage heart failure from beginning all the way in, to the end of like VAD and transplant decisions and sure. and afterwards and and connecting with those patients while they're you know in North Carolina there are like hundreds and hundreds of miles away right. and still providing that effective care. So we at Deloitte um, went in and kind of did an assessment and, and reviewed like where their clinical gaps were and, mm-hmm. and re-bolstered more professional and clinical disciplines where we felt that were lacking. So a little bit of what I'm kind of doing now. So yeah, um, it, it was that was kind of my first sort of intro into looking at like how health systems work inpatient, outpatient, and where those sort of gaps lie. Um, so the you get to pre- see a bunch of different systems, I imagine. Yeah, a lot of academic medical centers, IDNs, mm-hmm. um, and it was, I mean, a lot of really, really great institutions that just were getting to the point where they were starting to look at themselves holistically mm-hmm. or merging, you know, with other mm-hmm. smaller organizations, um, and that brought on new challenges in, in creating delivery models that were effective throughout their organizations. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <But from laughs> what we're doing now, yeah. Right, right. Um, so then what brought you 
out of consulting? Well, beyond like not wanting to travel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I had my my mom. I, I told you about this. We had a um, she had a, went through a heart transplant, and that was kind of a break for me in my job, and I became caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, along with like my father and siblings, but that was kind of the first time I realized like the power of ambulatory services mm-hmm. and appropriately bolstering care around the entire family and you know different types of clinical disciplines coming together. I'd seen it in the inpatient side, but the power on the outpatient side was kind of new to me. So right. I was excited about um, at the same time there was a shift in in New York market where we're having more pharmacists move into CDTM. And so I found it. (laughs) So CDTM is um, a collaborative drug practice agreement, therapy management agreement, Mm -hmm. um, which enables, you know, as a pharmacist and you as a provider, we would go in together and say, I'll help you, Dr. Fields, manage your hypertension, your asthma, your COPD, whatever we decide together, depression. And essentially, I'll help you medication with the medication management aspects of, of that patient right. um, within those therapeutic confines. And the law now enables me to order, you know, the lab tests that you would typically order mm-hmm. to evaluate like, you know, what are the side effects or, you know, and, um, and medication changes, uh, new prescriptions, right. initiate new therapies if the patient's um, disease is ex- uh, progressing. Right. So all within a collaborative agreement with, with my provider. So you're getting right at the heart of what clinical pharmacy is. Cause I, I when thinking about doing this podcast with you, I, very quickly uh, realized that we should probably start on what is clinical pharmacy in this setting because I think right. uh, in your own personal journey really kind of speaks to that. I think folks are much more um, used to having clinical pharmacists support them in the inpatient setting mm-hmm. in lots of different ways. I mean, even then, there's a ton of variety in there. Uh, right. But it's much less common outside of certain specific areas to see clinical pharmacists in the ambulatory space. So your own journey kind of reflects where the profession has gone. And right. I know North Carolina in particular has been sort of a champion for this. And we, I mean, I, and as I've told you, I've had the privilege of working alongside clinical pharmacy for most of my career, but mm-hmm. I realized coming here, that's pretty unusual, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can speak more a little bit about the what is that school of thought? I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, a lot of what you're describing sounds almost like an advanced practitioner, a PA or, or a nurse practitioner, but um, in terms of the way that that works. But how? what is your vision for what clinical pharmacy would look like, you know, here in New York in the outpatient setting? What, what does it mean to have a clinical pharmacist working with? Well, I think we're getting towards that slowly. I mean, with, you know, your leadership and a lot of our, like, training in other environments and having the collaborative sort of knowledge from other institutions that have gone there already with Mm -hmm. ambulatory services, we're able to see what's worked and what's not worked. And um, that sort of is my own guiding principle, mm-hmm. um, just by fi- following leaders in my profession and staying connecting with them. But, um, you know, I really see pharmacists, like, excelling at supporting um, chronic disease management. Mm-hmm. And that right. means, like, 
making sure that patients understand how to self-manage themselves Mm -hmm. and understand when is when am I going into acute exacerbation and who do I need to talk to and which care facility do I need to go to Mm -hmm. Um, and having a pharmacist be you know sort of their coach and champion on the medication therapy parts as it relates to the disease state is where I think that pharmacists need to um, continue to accelerate. And so how that's applied really depends on the organization and its needs. So a lot of organizations have opted into like developing employee management programs, Mm -hmm. which is really successful. and for their own health plan, for their like own self insured yeah. yeah and that's kind of the original models that right. born out in pharmacy clinical practice yeah. um, impact studies mission health right that yeah was, the actual project happened in our area and um, yeah a woman named Stephanie Kaiser and others were involved in the early days of that project yeah right right yeah. so so that's you know that's kind of uh, an example um, and I think I mean, I think that what we are trying to do here is an extension of that beyond employees. We're taking a group of lives and um, managing those patients. And so what the differences are are the disease states, you know, inpatient versus outpatient, the acuity of the disease states. Um, But it's exciting in the ambulatory setting where pharmacists have the ability to really like support their physicians uh, more holistically rather than you know um, rounding on the patient giving them a recommendation not to minimize that but yeah it's it they're connected longitudinally with the patient their families the nursing team the clinic team and the physicians which um, I think is is the key to both like pharmacist satisfaction, physician satisfaction, as well as um, impacting patient um, ability to self-manage, which is my focus. And taking a a little bit or or extending what you just were talking about, you know, we said a second ago that I think a lot of uh, medical providers are certainly more used to having pharmacists in the inpatient side. I neglected to mention that the other probably more common situation we're used to seeing pharmacists is in the outpatient sort oh, of dispensing yeah, retail. pharmacy, mm-hmm. retail setting. Um, and in both of those, <clears throat> to your point, uh, you know, I think in the hospital side, you don't have that longitudinal relationship with the patient. And uh, although you might have it with the team to some degree, and on the retail side, you might have a some sort of relationship with the patient, but it's certainly not to the the depths that you might get in a in a clinic or a physician office. And you certainly don't have the team part for mm-hmm. sure. Like it, it seems like both of those are kind of uh, I won't say lacking. It's just a different scope, right? But yeah. um, if you're looking for that experience, it seems like the ambulatory side is a good way to do that. How prepared are pharmacists generally? Like, because it's probably a little bit new for some mm-hmm. folks as well. I mean, how, how do you think the the field is changing, or do you think folks are really looking for that coming into residency these days? Or? Um, I think that it's that's also regional mm-hmm. with regards to where the pharmacy schools are preparing their um, students mm-hmm. to focus on. Uh, I think the ones that are on top of like the trends are going ahead and shifting into ambulatory experiences, partnering with um, organizations like our, ourselves and managed care 
almost right. managed care environments to right. offer like a variety of experiences. When I was a pharmacy student, I ran my own like diabetes clinic as a student in North Carolina. Yeah. So I hope that pharmacy schools are have continued to maintain that ambulatory focus. Um, and there are pharmacy organizations out there that really do focused specifically on ambulatory on care. Ambulatory um, there's a PGY2 postgraduate year two training for ambulatory. We now have a, a pharmacist board certification for ambulatory practice. Hmm. So the profession has moved along um, to support proper privileging and credentialing mm-hmm. um, conversations and like creating those certifications as a profession for pharmacists to ensure like effective training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the true true training part of it comes with like the work at the clinic and integrating with um, the team. So I'm, I hope that, you know, even here by building out this practice that we're contributing to development of the profession and, and improving New York City, you know, pharmacy presence and, yeah. and, and students. The, um, when we try to implement clinical pharmacy programs, even in a I would say as a progressive a place as, as Asheville, North Carolina, as it relates to clinical pharmacy, yeah, there's still resistance, right? Um, so the physicians, uh, very commonly, if they're not used to this model, will have a reaction, like, you know, don't touch my medication list, or don't touch my patient, <laughs> these are my patients. You know, and yeah. and I, it, it comes from a good place of, of being protective to some degree, but we also know that the medication lists are often a mess, and, um, you know, that the just because of the nature of the way things are, the level of follow-up isn't always where it needs to be and that's where pharmacy can be particularly helpful so i'm curious as you come into a market that's even less familiar with clinical pharmacy what challenges you know there may be providers in our network and other networks listening that aren't used to having a clinical pharmacist Mm -hmm. you know what how would you approach that how what's the the thought around approaching that level of inertia i guess yeah i think um providers are aware of nurse practitioners and pas Mm -hmm. so that's kind of helpful and what i typically say is is like well it's like having a nurse practitioner or pa except we're not diagnosing anything right we that's not our scope of work um and we're there to support um, that constant follow-up mm-hmm. and titration needs and optimization of medications. I think most providers know that like a really effective medication review takes about 30 to 45 minutes, mm-hmm. which um, nobody has that nobody time. Has that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're lucky, even in that review, you're getting like someone who really understands their meds and is able to articulate the medication names and doesn't have like you know, a stash of meds at home. So it requires like talking to the patient, their caregivers, their family members. And um, with to that extent, I found that like providers welcome that support on the medication end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think pharmacists, we know like where our focus is, our expertise. Um, we're typically used to doing like medication safety RCAs and those sort of activities so performance improvement is kind of second nature to us so we naturally kind of fit into like oh let me help connect this patient to the CBO resource or or care management or any other support needs or solve for like a 
prior authorization problem, um, which isn't, you know, nobody actually went to school for that. But, <laughs> right. but, but, but it's um, often what you get pegged to do, I guess. Yeah, I think it starts off with like, here's your med list and we'll help you with that. Here are the issues we've identified. He's, here's what we've uncovered and building that trust. And yeah. it sort of expands, expands from there. From there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like getting that the early win and yeah and then building that yeah the, the trust is really important i think that's true for i all think these that's members. yeah that's key so in uh day to day i mean i know what my experience has been but um could you help tell the story of you know I'm, I'm a i am a primary care physician i'm in clinic um and let's say a, a typical situation is i i have a patient with type 2 diabetes who's failed non-insulin therapy and i'm about to start uh, Lantus, some basal insulin or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> tell me how that experience or the follow-up experience would be could be different with a clinical pharmacist on the team than without. Um, that's a great question. Um, I think like what a pharmacist typically does when they're you know referred a patient to initiate new therapy. Um, versus otherwise, and I and I, it's hard to describe otherwise because there's many different flavors of <laughs> physicians. Well, and, I'll describe the otherwise. Okay, maybe, maybe you go maybe you go with otherwise. the otherwise. I mean, I think a typical, <laughs> I I would say a stereotypical or typical situation would be I I might start the basal insulin. Okay. And suggest a, a even a titration schedule if I, you know, sort of more. Progressive prescribing might be, hey, if your sugars are a certain amount, increase by this amount up to a limit, right? Yeah. And explain signs and symptoms to watch out for in case of low sugars. And then see them back at some interval and review the log. Yeah. With probably little follow-up in between. Um, That's pretty typical. So you have these chopped intervals of time where you would do follow-up on the new medication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But those those intervals are usually spans of weeks to months, not days. Um, So in contrast, how might you see that happening differently? So what I found interesting as a pharmacist is that the sort of you gave the instructions to the patient on, you know, how to dial up or down Mm -hmm. the insulin pen. Mm -hmm. Um, And even that step, takes like 30 minutes to explain yeah. to a patient and we don't do it in which minutes. you don't do, we do it in about 35 yeah <laughs> and you know like you think about like elderly patients or even you know just patients that have different levels of um health literacy or mm-hmm. different uh language backgrounds it may be just even hard to understand like what a range of numbers are that your blood sugar right. is, and what is the corresponding insulin yeah. dose that you need to administer right. to yourself. Yeah. So there's that level of like teaching that's required, as well as like the manual dexterity and administration components, where to where to inject yourself so you're not constantly bruising, and therefore right. you're not going to take the medication because you're scared of it. Right. Um, so I think a pharmacist first goes through, you know, wh- what is the medication doing? Why are you being switched to from an oral to an injectable, which is incredibly like scary for a lot of patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then encouraging a patient like, you know, uh, helping them see the pathway of, of um, you know, whether they can lose weight and be able to get off of the medications or exercise more 
or that, you know, this is not really a scary thing. Let's let's walk through how to mm-hmm. use this device and like help the patient um, understand um, how to it, take on this new pen on their daily lifestyle. Right. How where like how does it fit? You know, well, how does it fit? Like yeah. pumps are even harder, and there's a lot of like. Um, just you know if you're a kid going to school that's that's a lot to think through and um so helping the patient understand like all those aspects um when they're not in front of you that they might think about on the Mm day-to-day basis in their lives um and so then a pharmacist would call reach out to the patient probably the next day and see you know what was your blood sugar we want to make sure you're not like hypotensive and Um, that you have the opportunity to reinforce what does hypotens- uh, hypoglycemia, uh, sorry, I said yeah. hypotensive, hypoglycemia <laughs> feel like. And so um, I, th- I think that constant level of follow-up and then bringing the patient back in is the difference. Yeah, and that's been my experience as well, is that that, that ongoing... Um, not only it's education, but facilitation um, and follow-up and reinforcement and the titration, right? Because that's titration. the other thing, right? Like, so if the sugars aren't not, aren't a target yet, we may be able to get more aggressive. My experience has been that the chances that the patient will get to goal sooner are much greater with that level of support. I just can't possibly provide it mm-hmm. just with the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that I, yeah, exactly the way that you've described, I, I feel like that's been a huge difference. Yeah, and just like having the opportunity to support like the medical team and teaching the patient about like wh- how does diabetes like impact your kidneys in the future? Right. Like why are why am I taking a statin as well as this ACE inhibitor? Right, um, is is important for maintaining adherence and just being engaged as a patient. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. It probably requires some education for the patient as well. Like, who yeah. is this person, I imagine? Yeah, yeah, the pharmacist. Well, I think typically um, when I've encountered patients myself in the ambulatory setting or just our pharmacists, the patients are used to a pharmacist in the retail setting, so they know mm-hmm. what a pharmacist is. And they kind of feel that, you know, pharmacists have a view into, like, their um, – outpatient profiles like their retail like their cvs or whatever charts um so it's amazing you do get a lot more like um truthfulness from a patient to a pharmacist Mm -hmm. because i think they think that we can see like what's going on in their rite aid Mm -hmm. um, dispense history so there's i think there's a willingness um definitely there's a willingness for patients to to engage with the pharmacist like yeah i've seen i've seen that as we're, as we're running out of time, um, actually, it went by quickly. Um, oh. uh, thinking uh, one last topic, which is a big one. I, there is clearly, a, a, there's plenty of evidence, actually, uh, that metadherence is a massive problem. We know mm-hmm. it's actually a significant minority of patients that actually take their medications as prescribed for a whole host of reasons. Mm-hmm. And in the work that you and I do in population health and thinking about getting folks to the right outcome, right place, right time. Yeah. Um, the uh, we'll call it an inability or the uh, some whatever happens where folks are not adherent to the medication, especially those with chronic illness, it's a huge driver of bad outcomes. You know, hospitalizations and that sort of thing. Right. Um, how and, and you alluded to some of that in the scenarios that you described, but how does clinical pharmacy help support that goal of improving medication adherence and getting us getting the patient to those goals? 
Yeah, I think this the MedAdherence challenge is like um, such a large one that pharmacists can, you know, support the care team by outreaching to patients specifically, but they're also um, able to support teaching a mm-hmm. lot of other um, clinical team members, whether it's our care management team or the clinic staff. Um, we have a team of navigators that are um, not clinically trained, but really effective in mm-hmm. engaging patients. And so having them understand what the right questions are to ask and you know, everyone has an understanding of their own medication sort of adherence, right? Yeah. right? right. So it's not a hard topic to teach to people. And so I, I believe pharmacists can help um, manage those teams that um, are are helping us try to win at those goals of keeping people adherent and out of out of chronic exacerbations. Exacerbations, yeah. yeah. And I know like, one of the things you mentioned earlier that it hit really hit home for me is you know how medications fit in people's lives. You know those other barriers that I don't think physicians as a rule are great at assessing. You know, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned like for example the insulin pump or. You know, how do you do this at school? Or, you know, if you're older, are you scared of it? I mean, mm-hmm. those are really important things that we often forget to ask, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we're, uh, just to go back to your first question about where do we see pharmacy progressing in, th- in this space? And mm-hmm. I I think we might have a conversation, like, in a few months, and it might change. But mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, we're I'm really excited about supporting primary care. Mm-hmm. And then tiptoeing into some of the specialty areas as mm-hmm. um, and, and continuing to merge with the system, the greater system at Sinai. So we're able to optimize, you know, what meds are infused versus yeah. delivered at a That's physician right. office. Right. And make those decisions not only from a cost perspective, but also the patient's convenience perspective. Like right. most, we're seeing a huge shift in healthcare delivery at home yeah and why not yeah right (laughs) right Right. (laughs) so and pharmacy could be a big part of that yeah it would be it would be cool I mean we'll tiptoe into it but I think it would be um I I think as patients change their expectations from healthcare it'll be exciting to continue to innovate on how we deliver healthcare awesome yeah we'll leave it there Richie thanks for your leadership and everything you're doing Thank you. This is fun. Sure thing. (laughs) If anyone uh, has ideas for future topics, uh, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Appreciate you listening.